Hello. You've made it. This is Alexander the Podcast. I am your host, Penelope, of course. Just kidding. My name is not Penelope. How could you think that? My name's obviously got to be Alexander because this is Alexander the Podcast. And I am Karen telling you that I could not possibly be named Penelope. All right. That was, that was just frightening. But anyway, we got a, got a pretty sweet, we being me, got a pretty sweet, hey, microphone, chill. You need to calm down. Anyway, we got a pretty sweet, swell show for you today, you know, today on this Wednesday, this lovely Wednesday. Oh, yeah, we're going to hang out. We're going to party. We're going to chill. I got a better camera angle this week because last week I, of course, you know, I left my tripod at band practice. That makes sense, right? You know, our social distancing band practice. Yeah, we keep it. We keep a little, keep a little distance. Hang out, party outside with our masks on. We're freezing. We do jumping jacks. It's a good time. Anyway, so this first track is by Eminem. It's uh, surprising. I didn't know Eminem was coming out with new music. Anyway, this uh, B side off of that last album. I think it's um, music to be murdered to or something like that. Because he's so edgy. You know what I mean? But I mean like. That's why we love him. I'm not even trying to be a dick. Like, I mean, his flow is just unbelievable. What's he doing? Like, how does he do that? Is he an alien? Maybe. Hey, he could be. You really just never know. So anyway, I'm going to play a little bit off of his new track known as Nat with a, with a G, not with an N, for all you people who don't know how to spell things. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? Dope, dope. And you're a fiend. And that's the one thing that hasn't changed. No, nope. some semblance of normalcy. But I might need that hydrochloroquine Cause I got that yeah. The dark horse, I'm a nightmare Mom fed me volume like air Thought that's why they called it a high chair Whoa. I got a contact like eyewear Whoa, wait a minute, bitch, let me lie here 2020 hindsight, my side mirror Every year you drop the ball like Times Square My hair trigger whenever I get an idea Now my name rings out like a sponge Wild, wild, you know, it's just that, uh the beat on this is really what shines, I feel like, because, you know, you, we've heard Eminem do his thing. We've heard him high energy. We've heard him low energy. This is pretty low energy. Not in a bad way. Uh, he really touches upon a lot of, like, modern subjects. But right there, the first little snippet that I showed you actually is, like, the way that the song starts. And it's, like, a, it's got, like, a little, you know, some strings in it. And then it turns into this completely different beat with a different energy, but his flow stays the same. And I thought that was a really interesting way to approach that song and uh, or that beat, <laughs> you know, that song. Yeah, these rappers, they, they sing in songs, sing in rappers. That's what they do. You know, I mean, some of them try. Not many of them are very good at singing. You know, some of them can pull it off. But yeah, Eminem put out a new track. Nat, pretty killer. I'm going to have the link down below for all you YouTubers, for everybody else uh, that's just listening, you know. Um, you can hop on YouTube to grab the link if you want to, or I'm going to, you know, I'll repeat it many times for each thing. Uh, Eminem, Nat with a G, of course. Brand new track. <clears throat> Exciting. That was very good. But yes, so next, very interesting. I have a, uh, a versus somewhat, because so this amazing band, these two amazing bands, two of my favorite heavier bands, period, like August Burns Red dropped this... Uh, Cover of Chop Suey by System of a Down, of course. And, you know, I noticed that nobody had mentioned when it dropped that Necrogoblicon also had dropped a 
Chop Suey cover. I'm not sure on the release date of that. Let me double check that. Hmm. When did that come out? I can't see. Oh, well, let me let me make this. Oh, September 25th, 2020. <laughs> so that's new as well. So very interesting to see two bands from similar genre. Well, I mean, not quite. Necrogoblicon's a little more theatrical. August Burns Red's a little like heavier with like the tone. I mean, not that Necrogoblicon doesn't have amazing tone too, you know. Uh, I'd love to see those bands tour. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Let's get those, let's get those labels on that. But anyway, or agents, <laughs> rather. What am I doing? Spreading false information. Labels don't book tours, do they? Probably sometimes, but I think it's mostly tour agencies, the, t- the talent agencies, those booking agencies. You know, they do those things. But anyway, regardless, Necrogoblicon, ABR, August Burns Red. Going to do a little versus here. Going to play you a snippet of each, and, you know, you decide which one you like better. Of course, make sure you check both of them out. Make sure you support both of the bands. Um, any of the acts that you go and you enjoy music from that you find on here, of course, make sure you support them because they're all amazing. I'm not going to show you stuff that's not good, at least, you know, in my own opinion. If you don't think it's good, no problem. But definitely don't harass them over it. I know most of you are like, why would I do that? But there's some of you from just, you know, if you use science to track patterns in people, there's always like, you know, one out of every 50 people who just does not know how to use social media and goes off on a tangent and just will end up uh, saying horrible things to people that they would never say in person. And I don't know why that happens, but it's just such a widespread thing. that It's got to be like one in every 50 or 40 people or something like that. But, you know, chill, chill out. There's no need for that nonsense. Anyway, so August Burns Red, Chop Suey. Here's a little snippet. So for me, um, they really, that second verse is so cool. Like those leads, like, I don't think I did the notes correctly. Sorry for messing that up. All you guitar pros out there, but yeah, um, that was awesome. Like that's so sweet and amazing. And they also, I don't want to spoil it, but like the end part for me over the Necrogoblicon part, I love that lead in the second chorus and the second verse of the August Burns Red one is amazing. And I love the way they did the end, like the Forsaken, they kind of, they stayed completely true and they didn't really take any liberties with it. And Necrogoblicon did, and I understand why they did, and I'm not bashing them for it at all. It's still awesome. Um, I don't have really a choice one over the other because they're both great for different reasons. Um, Okay, I'm going to... I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's show you the other one first before I give you the full lowdown on both of them. That just, you know, you know, you know, maybe I should do that. I'm going to think about it. Okay, here we go. So here's the Necro Goblin. And 
Necrogoblicon just doing what they do best, being amazing and unique and crazy and all over the place. August Burns Red as well. Um, but you got to admit, like the August Burns Red one stays true. And then Necrogoblicon, they just it's, it's like a reimagining. Like, it, I think, I mean, there's different types of covers, and I think that reimagining is just another type, like another classification of a kind of cover that you can do. But um, I like that they are both completely different at, um, at their approaches, and the songs sound completely different, and both of them are going to be in my regular rotation. Like, it's not really a versus. Both of them win. I, I, I love them both. Like, um, but, you know, you decide which one you like better. But make sure that in doing that, you go and you check out both of them. And if you decide that you like both of them, make sure you support both bands. Even if you don't have any money, go on their website. See if they have, you know, a mailing list just so you can see what they have going on. If there's anything you can do, make sure you get involved. Definitely do that for all the acts, even Eminem, even though he like probably admittedly doesn't need it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's fine. He's like, you know, you can do what you want. I have all this money. <laughs> but, you know... um, Regardless, all these artists, every artist, there's never really, you know, nobody's really okay enough ever. And if they're working to and making you happy, you may as well add to their level of, I'm not going to say that money is what the level of okay is based on, but, you know, survival, I suppose, because you are in some way contributing to their survival. Regardless. Amazing. Amazing. August Burns Red and Necrogoblicon both did Chop Suey in the past few months. Obviously, August Burns Red did it in the past few weeks, and uh, Necrogoblicon did it in September, but very, very good. Very good. This next release that I have. This next release that I have for you. So anyway, um, we got Half Hearted, which is a band from Connecticut that I've known for years. Um, my band Fathom Farewells played with them countless times at the Webster. We've played their headliners. They've, you know, they, they haven't opened for us cause they are a, you know, they're the, the, like the echelon of the Connecticut local bands. Cause they do, uh, you know, outside below currents, of course. I mean, currents is the <laughs> currents is, you know, so, sorry, half hearted, but currents wins. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, so now they're actually in completely different genres. Like currents, of course, is very heavy, and half hearted is doing uh, this new kind of genre. Which when I, I first, it's not new in general, but new for them. They're, they used to be kind of more post hardcoreish like us, and then now they're uh, doing more of a pop thing, and I do enjoy it a lot. Um, so I wanted to show you a little snippet of this new song that they just released recently called Be My Religion. It goes like this. Very cool, very cool, different, uh, you know, from very different from what they were doing. Um, opening, it kind of reminds me, like in the beginning, it sort of reminds me of Bruce Springsteen. He's doing some like low range stuff and it's like catchy. It's like, 
I don't want to like skip around on the track too much and throw, you know, give away too much of the song, but regardless, that is a good release, solid stuff. Um, they have been releasing the poppier side of music recently. You know, it's, it, it's more of like, a, it's, it's more of a genre change than all the other bands I see from the heavy genre that are switching over because they still kind of retain some of the heavy and these guys are kind of just like, we want to do something new. And I totally respect it and I totally like it a lot and I'm fairly certain that they do uh, self-produce. Let me double check on that. Um, yeah, I don't actually see... Yeah, I don't see a producer credit here, so that must mean that, yeah. So make sure you check out Half-Hearted. They self-produce this. Uh, this new release is really awesome and I hope that you enjoy it. Make sure, again... Support, support these bands, especially right now. Everybody needs assistance right now because the music industry just took a hit like nothing anybody has ever predicted or imagined or thought possible. So um, if you do enjoy music, make sure that you are supporting the artists that you do enjoy. You know, don't force it. Don't break the bank. Breaking the bank is not fair. There should be like... When you go, like, I wish that banks were at least a little fun when you have the app. Like, this hasn't happened to me in a while, thankfully. Like, thankfully, like, you know? But anyway, I mean, like, I know a lot of people have been struggling recently. And I mean, they're, you know, I've been having, you know, I've had, it's been in waves. It's just, it's very odd how things have been able to go. Just, you know, between uh, revenue streams from original music or, you know, cover music gigs when I am able to play outside, if there's like a heated tent or something like that, there's a few situations like that that I've been able to pull off. And, um, of course, you know, with distance about, you know, at least 20 feet from any customer and stuff like that. And, uh, I've been able to stay afloat and between that and, uh, the PUA. So thankfully, um, you know, but every, I, I just really wish I could help anybody that, hasn't been able to have that same thing happen. I've, I've heard so many stories from so many friends that are struggling and it's just, uh, heartbreaking in general. Um, cause I've never imagined a time when I could be so helpless in a, in something that, you know, matters so much to me. But anyway, um, all the love to the music community and uh yeah gonna keep on showing off these sweet brand new tunes for you guys to enjoy and here we go so this next one we got jason beeler and the baron von bielski orchestra featuring devin townsend and david ellefson devin townsend of course of uh devin townsend project and you know uh few fewer people know about strapping young lad but I do love me some Devin Townsend, so I love Strapping Young Lad as well. He's from Canada. He absolutely slaps. I, I know the most about him out of all of the guys that are on this track, but everybody's super talented, and the mix is, of course, amazing, and there's some incredible vocal harmonies, and it's really cool, and like it does. Um, for me, there's pieces of it that drag somewhat because of the repetition, but the production value and the vocal harmonies and just the overall talent um, going into the track musically does really kind of keep my attention, so... I did find myself enjoying it uh, the more I listened to it, of course. So, without further ado, oh, and uh, yeah, David Ellison is from Megadeth. So I, I don't, you know, let me. Um, you know what? You know what? 
you know what? I gotta. I just want to double check that real quick. Yeah, of course, Megadeth. I didn't know he was in Soulfly in Ministry. Are you kidding me? What? That's ridiculous. See, I just, yeah. I I I didn't want to edit this out because I don't want to like lie about my knowledge. I don't know that much about Megadeth. I've never been a huge fan of Megadeth. I'm a vocals guy, and they seem like a guitar band to me. They don't sound like a vocals band when I listen to or try to listen to them. I don't not like them. Um, it's more like I'll listen to a track and then. I'd be like, yeah, and then like the next song come on, I'll just kind of, you know, forget. Not trying to say that it's bad at all by any means, but like if I was gonna pick them over any other rock band that I have in in my in my regular rotation, which is a lot. I don't know. I'm not again. I'm not trying to bash them. My opinion doesn't mean anything. I'm just sharing it with you. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't not like them either. I did see them live a few times because I was working at the Worcester Palladium and they came through there, and I just. I don't know. The mix wasn't amazing. And it's like they didn't, uh, they weren't using the house sound guy. I think they, I'm fairly certain for at least front of house, they brought their own guy. And it was, I don't know. I wasn't amazed. So I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I also, I do understand that they are from a long time ago, you know, from not, you know, a few decades ago is when they were huge. Um, so I don't want to bash them at all, but I did, I did want to address my lack of knowledge that I had to like double check that I was like, yeah, he's in Megadeth, but I mean, you know, I didn't want to not be correct. And I have a laptop right in front of me for these reasons. So anyway, this next song is called, uh, bring out your dead by Jason Beeler in the Baron Von Bielski orchestra featuring one of my favorites, Devin Townsend and David Ellison of Megadeth. Yeah, that uh, course. It's cool sounding, very cool sounding. The production's huge. The the drum mix is just unbelievable. The vocal harmonies are unbelievable. It's, the songwriting itself gets a little repetitive. That's pretty much most of what the song sounds like. I don't want to. I don't want to give away too much of it. There is more of it that isn't like you know presented in what I just showed you in the uh, you know fifteen twenty seconds I just showed you. But anyway. Um, definitely worth checking out Jason Beeler and the Baron Von Bielski Orchestra in general. And of course, Devin Townsend and Strapping Young Lad or anything that he's been a part of. He's, he does any number of things. He's probably got something more recent than Devin Townsend Project that I'm not aware of. I hope not. I hope I'm not missing something because I would hate to uh, not promote something of Devin Townsend's because it's just amazing. He's, he's amazing regardless. I got to... So many amazing artists that I love that I just like, you know, I forget to research because I'm researching other artists at the time. And then I go and I find their stuff later. And then I find all this other stuff to share with amazing people like you. So without further ado, um, I discovered this new project called the Paper Kites. Um, I don't know how new they are, but the um, they put on this put out this new song called Climb on Your Tears featuring... Ifo Donovan, I believe is how you pronounce that. But yeah, um, amazingly beautiful. I need to show it to you. It's so great. Just came out. When did it come out? Let's see. December 17th, two days ago. Oh, yeah. 
So good. So good. You need to go check this out. Make sure you show them support. Make sure you subscribe to their channel. Like the video. Make sure that you, uh, you know, whatever your listening method is, do that stuff. Do that thing. Check out their website. Get some merchandise. Here we go. Paper kites. Climb on your tears. Here's a little snippet. song kind of gives me chills uh get goosebumps when i first heard it the the first verse uh, i think could use some high harmonies i'm not gonna lie because it kind of almost lost me and then when i got to the chorus i was like immediately just chills and then ifo donovan i believe her name is comes in on the second verse and oh my god it's just very beautiful um what she sings i don't want to give it away but make sure you go check that out she was doing uh a lower a lower tenor harmony i believe in the chorus over the um wasn't quite bass just above <laughs> yeah anyway um amazing amazing harmony they uh sing very well their voices blend spectacularly together i uh i'm definitely going to check out more of the paper kites uh this song climb on your tears is excellent and uh, I think that you should definitely go check them out if you enjoyed even, you know, just mildly what you heard because um, I think they are fairly new. You know, they're not huge, and they should be because, you know, who is <laughs> the production value and the emotion put into that song? Just amazing. Um, really enjoyed every second I've spent listening to it so far, so definitely going to check out the rest of their stuff. Anyway, uh, the next release I got here, so Every Time I Die, put out a new album. Every time I die, yeah, for anybody who listens to heavier music that's recent, you know who they are. They're uh, absolutely crushing it, and they're amazing, and they're just so fun to watch live. They're one of the, they're just, they're so spontaneous and all over the place, and everybody, you know, everybody loves it and knows the words and just flipping out, and they just turn the venue upside down. It's just amazing, you know, not in a, not in a bad way, not in a way that causes, you know, legal problems <laughs> yeah yeah for anyone who's worked at a venue <laughs> you've probably seen a few instances of you know i'm not going to go into details but people you know falling off of things or just you know this just it's a whole nonsense but anyway they were not a band where liability became a problem that i ever saw so yeah very virtues anyway um this next song a colossal wreck every time i die i'm going to show you a little snippet of it I love the concept. Um, he pretty much just says, well, most of the lyrics in the song are just give it all back to the animals. No one is going to deliver us. That just hit, that hit me right in the feels. Like, yeah, give it all back to the animals. Oh my God. It's so good. Like, I mean, you know, we take wildlife so for granted and it's, do we have less than half? Did you know that we have less than half of our rainforests left because of 
overconsumption of products that there are alternatives for that don't require destroying the rainforests. When you destroy the rainforests, like a lot of people are probably ignorant enough to think that you're just destroying the trees or that the animals can just be relocated. You're you're destroying entire ecosystems. And those people probably don't understand what that means either. But what that means is that the entirety of their ability to live and interact with the world is based on their environment in that rainforest. And when you take that away from them, the ones, they either die or they lose their will to live because they're not able to do it in the way that they have known throughout their generations of existence. And uh, this goes for just any kind of natural life. Um, You know, when people talk about global warming not being an issue, Let's look at the coral reefs. I mean, they've uh, the coral reefs have been—I uh, can't remember the technical term for it—but they've been dying and bleaching. That's what it's called. When a coral reef bleaches over and it turns white, um, what happens is you now have just the skeleton where there was a living organism once. So it's like literally, if that coral reef was a human, all that would be left of it was the skeleton. That's what the warming of the waters is doing to these reefs. And these reefs are not just reefs. They are entire living systems of different creatures that interact in order to make that area of the water livable. Um, I've been watching a lot of material on this recently and just seeing the... uh, the dead coral reefs um, after once, you know, long after they've bleached and they're now just desecrated. And uh, it just, it's, um, it's really heartbreaking because there's nothing there except for just these dead looking leaves. Imagine like just dead branches and roots and leaves and just completely dead and gray and covered in sand and just for miles. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the warming of our oceans. And uh, it's definitely something that everyone needs to know. Very important for aquatic life. And uh, wildlife in the rainforests are just incredibly important for oxygen. (laughs) I don't know if you like oxygen, if that's something you enjoy. But anyway, so every time I die, a colossal wreck. Oh my god The energy is unbelievable This album is unbelievable That's the beginning of the song That was like the first 30 seconds Um, That song evolves Quite a bit I don't want to give any of that away Uh, it, It builds In just such an interesting way Their song structures They're so unique And like to them 
but I understand. Like I, I get it. I get where the verse is and I get where like the chorus is, but it's like it doesn't it doesn't isn't where you would think that it is, and it's hard to like immediately figure out and I have to listen to it a few times to fully process what's going on, but it's like it's so interesting and cool. And their guitar tone, like, ah, uh, Keith Buckley is just a nutcase, but, like, in the, in the best possible way. He's really not a nutcase. Like, I was uh, backstage at the Palladium uh, when they were, like, just, you know, because I used to work past check back there. And they came through, and they were extremely humble. Very nice people. Um, didn't, like, you know, they dressed nice, so I could tell they were artists. But, I mean, they, like, they didn't act like anything other than extremely humble adults. Which, you know, when you hear that about, it just gives you faith in humanity when you hear that about a band that has such notoriety as Every Time I Die. So anyway, yeah, Every Time I Die, that song was called A Colossal Wreck. Um, The new album is just unbelievable. You have to go check it out. Go look it up right now. New album, Every Time I Die. That was called A Colossal Wreck. Anyway, this next one, super surprising. The band Bush. They are, you know, they've been around 30 years, and they're unbelievable. And, uh, you know, Gavin Rossdale, the front man, uh, extremely talented. I believe he writes the music uh, for the most part. So this next release uh, came on my release radar, and it's a song by Bush called The Kingdom, but it's an acoustic rendition. And um, I immediately got excited when I heard when I heard the... Uh, there's just this riff in the beginning I'm about to, sh- I'm about to show you, and it's just um, rocking. I mean, you know, I don't think I've heard this song before, to be honest with you. <laughs> I feel bad about that because they've been around forever. You know, I've had enough time where it is definitely sad that I have not heard the original version of this. And to be honest, I've been so busy listening to this acoustic version that I haven't even gone and done that yet. <laughs> What's the matter with me? Do you know? Because I have no idea. Anyway, um, so Bush, The Kingdom, this is the acoustic version, and here we go. I'm going to show you a little snippet. If you go on YouTube, they actually have a live video of them playing a little quarantine version. Crazy Gavin Rossdale's, of course, just like perfect shot, like in front of the water. It looks awesome. So yeah, be sure to check this out. Bush, The Kingdom, acoustic. Check that out. So good. That was the first little intro in the uh, the uh, verse. He's not standing in front of the wall. I thought he was outside when I first looked at it. No, he just has a super nice house, of course, because he's awesome. And uh, behind him is a window that has uh, a look on what appears to be the ocean. I don't see anything on the other side of the coast. So that's, wow, man, very very awesome. That's so cool. I, uh, I I hope to one day have a cool house. I can take shots like that. And, you know, with the water view, you know, on the beach, get a beach house. Real nice. You know, I like this apartment, though. This is, this is, a, this is chill. I like it. This I live actually in um, Iceland. That's where I am right now. It's crazy. Wild, right? Insane. 
I don't really live in Iceland, but I'm not going to just like announce where I live on the internet because that'd just be <laughs> silly. People do that sometimes. And I mean, just going to dox yourself like that, dude? <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so yeah. Um, amazing. Bush, the kingdom. That That's incredible. Uh, this video is really cool. High quality. Gavin's singing into, of course, same microphone I got right here. Sure, SM7B for all you singers out there. I do use this for all my singing and, you know, tracking for demos and stuff, not for the finals, because, of course, I go to my lovely producer, Chris Paquette, for that at No Boundaries Studios. And he, well, you know, not not so much recently because of this situation, but, you know, that's... You catch me there every few months on the regular, you know, when it's not like this singing into his manly gold reference, which to you, all of you, you know, tech junkies out there, I'm sure that that is ringing your bells. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, yeah, anyway, so microphones. But yeah, Gavin's singing into this one. Very beautiful. Very great for, um, I mean, it's great for final stuff. You know, if you don't have access to a gold reference, which is most people or, you know, but you know, unless you want to hit up my friend, Chris, which is definitely something I highly suggest because he has an incredible setup. But anyway, Bush, the kingdom acoustic, amazing. This is once again, Alexander, the podcast, just in case, you know, you don't watch or listen on something where you can look at the label or that you, I don't know, maybe you're shuffling. I don't know. I don't, there's so many methods of madness. You should check out my link tree. Cause I got like, <sighs> like 10 different ways to watch this it's just ridiculous so you know whatever you like maybe you'll discover a new one a new way i just i personally just spotify is easy i know they steal from the artists i know i go into my distro kit every month and i look at the bank and i'm like i made four dollars off of these five thousand streams it's great but yeah like um I am very happy people can listen to it, and I have other ways to make money. And the fact is, as musicians in this day and age, we are ticket and T-shirt salesmen. We don't sell music anymore. And I've always personally thought that it'd be better if people could just listen to the music for free and determine what they like and then go and support the artists they like. And then the artists who are really good will do really good, and the artists who aren't so good will keep working until they are really good. And if they don't, then that's just kind of how the world works. You know, you, you choose an industry and you either immerse yourself in it fully and passionately and it's your your num- your thing that you want to do or you second-guess yourself on everything you do and you try a bunch of different things and tell yourself you're going to, you know, and you don't understand or fully get how the people with experience get to where they are. And then at that point, you're going to struggle to move forward or get to that next level. And you're always going to be kind of wondering why is it that I'm stuck in this funk? But yeah, if, if you are in that position, it's not your fault. It's okay. Everybody falls into that. And, um, there are so many things you can do in this world for a living. There's just so many. And it's like, the fact is, uh, what people don't understand is, certain things need to be monetized by you yourself. Like in the music industry, that's very common. Like I'm, I'm self-employed personally. I, uh, I do pay all my own bills with, you know, work that I bring in myself as opposed to working for somebody else. So in turn, it just, it grants a great deal of flexibility, but it is the amount of money you make is just directly in tandem with the amount of work you do. 
like I started out, I mean, the first year and a half was putting in 40 to 60 hours a week on my laptop making and making phone calls and sending emails and just researching thousands of different bars and clubs and venues to play uh, acoustic covers at because essentially it's just a super easy way. You can, you show up, you play for a few hours, you get paid, you make tips, you meet people who support you, and it's incredible. And it's just one of the best ways to make a living. But personally, I'm just doing that because it gives me flexibility to work on my bands that I eventually want to tour in full time. And I don't have a boss sitting over my head that has to make me feel bad about saying that. So, you know, um, not that I've, you know, I've had that situation a few times, but I've been very fortunate to have some good bosses as well. Not going to lie. I've only worked like 13 different jobs, something like that. But, you know, it's, uh, it's insane. It's all crazy. Insane, crazy, driving Miss Daisy. Um, anyway, yeah, I made that up. That No one's ever said that before. Um, <laughs> ah, you can't, you can't take it seriously. Just listen to the music, not the words. Okay, here we go. So next up, Too Close to Touch. Great band, um, great singing, great pipes. Oof. Um, put out some new music. This next one's called We Are All Criminals. It's great. It's so catchy. And it's, ah, here we go. Put the chains on her hands. God, she's taking a stand for the people who could speak. So, oh, like a rap cast a man. Put her throat in his hand. And her fist brought him to his knees. Oh. So good, right in the feels, right in the guts, right in the feels, guys. It's making me sad. Like, why you want to make me sad? Like, oh, that the the tone that this guy is able to pull off, I've always found to be so impressive because he just he goes into these high ranges, but also has this vibrato that's very like fragile and sensitive, but has this great control over it in the studio. I've watched some of the live videos and I was like, ah, dude, come on. But he's an amazing singer. That's because being on the road is incredibly taxing on your throat and your voice, especially when you're singing in those ranges. Um, there's very few vocalists that sing in those ranges that are able to pull that off every night. I mean, the only one of the only guys I think I've ever seen be able to do is Spencer Sotelo from Periphery. He, I don't, I don't see. Like, you know, a lot of people don't like him because they don't like his tone, but he doesn't mess up. I love his tone. I think he's amazing. He's one of my favorites as well, uh, you know, but the um, I would absolutely, I would compare. Th- this guy is able to sing in those Spencer Sotelo high ranges, but with like this vibrato emotional feel in the studio, and it's just unbelievable and sounds incredible, and um, definitely go check out Too Close to Touch if you haven't heard of them yet. They have a lot of great music out. I don't think they've put anything out since like I think 2016 or 17, but this new stuff they're putting out is incredible. They've obviously done a lot of work on themselves and kind of reworked what they were doing. And um, I've always been, you know, impressed by them. It kind of, I compared them, their last album to, it's like The Weeknd, if The Weeknd was going to make like a like a heavier rock or post-hardcore album. It would sound like that because this guy's voice, it's like, it reminds me of The Weeknd. The Weeknd is able to hit those really high ranges with the feel, with the emotion, like without, you know, losing any of that. It's really difficult 
It's really hard. I can tell you firsthand. It's a very difficult thing to do. So anyway, for new releases, that's what I got for you. Um, I mean, for, you know, in the past week, two weeks or so. But I do have another release I came across because I was listening to um, Lead Singer Syndrome featuring Shane Told. And I don't know the other guy's last name, Michael. I believe it was they did a top 10 list of their favorite albums of each of theirs. I had a great time listening to that podcast. I always do. Um, of course, shout out. I don't think they're going to hear this, but hey, you know, shout out regardless. Shane Told is, of course, the front man of Silverstein. Um, excellent podcast. I can't say enough good stuff about it. You know, if you can, if you can tear yourself away from Joe Rogan for a few minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, you're here, so I guess you you did. But if you can do it for a few more minutes, then um, yeah, lead singer syndrome with Shane Told. They got they talk everything music. Uh, he has all kinds of guys on there. I heard him do an interview with Des from Devil Driver. Uh, a few months ago for their new album that they were doing. And that was a really fun episode. But anyway, this next release, I discovered a new band through their, um, <laughs> it's crazy. Cause I wrote down like all the artists that they went over and they went over, like they each had 10 for their favorite albums of 2020. And, um, yeah, literally this is the first band that I wrote down. I listened to this album last night and there's four songs on it that I'm just I can't stop listening to them. Like, it's so good. I'm like literally got one album deep into these guys' list and I'm just hung up already. The first two songs, I don't think like really pulled me in, but then uh, I got to Cyanide. Excellent. Oh my God, excellent. It, it, I was at first, it didn't hit me right at first because I was like kind of coming off the first two songs that I wasn't amazed with, but were great. You know, they're great. They're just not like, you know, my style, you know, but then cyanide hit and I was like, Oh my God. And then Annabelle. It, excellent. Um, there's just some like really quotable material there. Uh, so much personality in the vocals, which you're going to see on this next track, which was my favorite on the album. Um, Paradise. He, there's parts of it where he sounds like Elvis. There's parts of it where he sounds like Dracula. There's parts of it where he sounds like, uh, you know, I mean, you know, in a serious way, not like in a, oh, I'm trying to suck your blood kind of, you'll see what I mean. But um, yeah, there's parts of it where he sounds like Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. Uh, this It's very theatrical. So this band Creeper, uh, check out the band Creeper. Their latest album, Sex, Death, and the Infinite Void is out now, came out four months ago. And uh, this is my, this is an honorable mention just because I, I just came across them yesterday and I just can't stop listening to them. And unbelievable. This song is called Paradise. I'm going to show you a little snippet. To watch the angels weep, to die of the six feet deep, to
I had to show you the a little bit of that next verse just because there's him sounding like Elvis, but then you know in the chorus he sounds like Gerard Way, like what that sounds like almost like Helena, like May, and, but it's like you know what's the worst that I could say, you know it's kind of same tone, same idea, kind of like. But he's not not copying. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying, like, comparatively, um, like, you know, they come off as sounding like the chorus sounds like Gerard Way in My Chemical Romance, but, like, not not enough that I mean that in a bad way, but, like, I mean that in a great way. Um, like, in their own, in Creeper's own way of doing that. And then this next, the verse comes in, and it's like Elvis wrote a Halloween song, but, like, a really good one. I love, I mean, you know, I mean, aside from the fact that he married a 14-year-old, which I think is horrifying, um, I think Elvis was extremely talented when it came to his music. You know, if we don't talk about his personal life, a lot of great things to say. Uh, He, you know, had this incredible low tone, and this guy is able to replicate that sort of, and I'm uh, just, I'm kind of, I'm enthralled and fascinated with this band now. I got to check out the rest of their stuff. Uh, Creeper, definitely check out Creeper, Uh, Sex, Death, and the Infinite Void. The whole album's great. Um... Those first two songs I even liked better going back and listening again. But Cyanide, Annabelle, Paradise, and All My Friends were my favorites, and they're just unbelievable. All My Friends is uh, extremely beautiful. Um, I wasn't planning on showing a snippet of it, but, like, I'm talking about the album, so I, I it's the ballad of the album, and, like, the production on this is just too beautiful. I don't understand. Um, i got to show you a little bit. Uh. Oh, that is good. Well, YouTube. All my friends, all my friends hurt. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends hurt. Yeah, so I just had to show you that chorus because, like, that when I first heard it, it's just like uh, kind of rips the tears out of you because everybody's in pain and like uh, there's nothing worse than knowing that your friends are in pain and everyone's friends are in pain. So it's like uh, what a you know what a beautiful thing to put out there at this time for sure. Definitely uh, love that song very much. Very beautiful. Very uh, good stuff. Make sure you check out Creeper, uh, Sex, Death, and the Infinite Void. Uh, That song is called All My Friends. Um, Yeah, check them out. They're amazing. Unbelievable band. Yes, so I've been doing a uh, historical shout-out. So this next one, um, one of my favorite artists of all time, Sam Cooke. Just singer from... uh, you know, the 50s and 60s, um, one of the saddest stories in music. Um, it seems like he just got too rich to be in America and be black because <laughs> he got mowed down in his hotel room <laughs> by, I believe, police officers. So um, one of the saddest things I've ever heard in my life especially just having loved his music for so long. Um, and then I watched this documentary where I found this out and it just horrified me that somebody so beautiful, so magnificent, um, 
such a talent that brought so much joy, so much joy to so many people. Um, he took the gospel and essentially took it on the road and made it this incredible, um, blues filled. Like he can, he brought like the soul to, he used the soul from the gospel and brought that to this, you know, just the swing and the, the, the popular music of the fifties at the time and just went on the road and just absolutely killed it. And, um, I can't say enough good things about his musical ability. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, they, they all like to say that he was arrogant. I don't care. <laughs> Were you talented? Did you hurt anybody? Okay. Were you talented? Yes. Yes, he was. Did he hurt anybody? No. No, he didn't. He didn't hurt anybody. He may have been arrogant. He may have hurt somebody's feelings because he was too honest, but you know what? <laughs> it happens. And uh, if you don't hurt anybody, you know, intentionally or, you know, in a way that actually affects them outside of their feelings. He's a, he's a beautiful man. And I'm going to show you a little clip of a song called Cupid by Sam Cooke. Here we go. My happiness for I love a girl who doesn't know I exist and this you can fix. Yeah, so Sam Cooke, Cupid, he's one of my uh, favorite artists of all time. Um, I love his voice. I've been listening to him for about a decade, and uh, just I cover a lot of his songs at, uh, you know, I've been doing streaming retirement home gigs, and I pre-record a performance, and that's, uh, you know, Sam Cooke's a popular amongst the retirement home uh, communities. Very much love performing his songs as well. And uh, so, yeah, historical shout out to Sam Cooke. That song is called Cupid. Make sure you check it out. Uh, make sure you check out Sam Cooke and inform yourself on history of music, just because it's very interesting. And there's so much um, about the times reflected in the artists that are the biggest during those times. So, you know, there's a lot to. A lot of information to gather from researching them, you know, whether it be the Beatles or Sam Cooke or, you know, Lead Belly, who I mentioned last week. Um, very cool stuff. Anyway, all right, on to news. Only took me 50 minutes this time. I didn't think it was, I had less releases. What did I just talk about? Did I, what, what, where did... Where did all of that come from? I don't even know what just happened. Did something happen? I hope it was good. I hope it was great. Let me know in the comments. Let me know. And if you like it, subscribe, download, do your thing. It's super helpful. It'll go into uh, making sure I'm just able to do this more. So, you know, I love it. I'm having a great time. Anyway, here's the news. As chosen by yours truly. Actually, I need to sip some water before I, you know, just like do the the. Oh, I'm just, I tried to make it funnier and it just, it just didn't work. Yes, I, um, I have a giant jug of water 
the reason that I have this giant jug of water that sticks out like a sore thumb. I sing every day. And I just was constantly running out of water. I would have to have like multiple cups or bottles and I'd still run out of that. Then I have to go fill those up. It is such a great time, right? Yeah, but no, see, this is a gallon of water I just carry around with me and it never runs out. And (laughs) nobody says anything. I keep expecting people to because like who else carries around a gigantic like, look at this, look at this, look at this thing. What? Who does that? Who does... I do. Me. All right. I lied. There are people who do that. (laughs) As I was saying, who does that? I was like, giant gym dudes. Giant gym dudes. They bring their (laughs) gallon of water. Oh, man. Well, you know. Anyway, love y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I still got some more stuff for you. Here's the news as read by me and as chosen by me. These stories caught my ear this week and I was shocked. Uh, here's one. Where's the date on this? Hmm. The date, November 4th, 2020. So this was uh, about a month ago, but super interesting and something that I haven't heard talked about by anybody in my circle. So I did want to bring this to people's attention. Um, in Oregon, they become the first state to legalize magic mushrooms for therapeutic use And here's what that means. On election day, Oregon became the first ever state to legalize psilocybin, a psychedelic compound found in magic mushrooms, for therapeutic use. The state also decriminalized personal possession of the substance. Small studies have found psilocybin, when administered in a clinical setting, has the potential to reduce symptoms of anxiety and depression. This has been being researched and been concluded for years. And I think it's just been such a giant legal battle to try and get um i'd imagine mostly conservatives to wrap their head around it maybe i'm wrong i i don't know for sure could be some liberals too i mean are the liberals out there that are against this if there are i'd be curious to hear about it just because like i (laughs) i don't like picking a side (laughs) i just like to talk about the issues and i'll pick one but i mean you know i'm more aligned obviously with the left because like yeah, but I mean, it's, I don't know. If you if you think that I am crazy for thinking that way, feel free to reach out. I'll, I can have a conversation about it without, I don't know anything for sure. I don't know anything. I'm just reading stuff, and I just go with what seems right and seems like it will be the best for people because that's all I care about, just whatever's best for people, and I wish that our government felt that way too. But anyway... Very interesting. Um, Proponents say it will make psilocybin more accessible to people who could benefit from it as a therapeutic. However, researchers say the bill will not make the drug easier to study, meaning legalization may move faster than science. The bill could also have funding consequences for their work. So there's the other side of it. Um, They may not be able to study it fast enough before it becomes legal, but I mean, it's never killed anyone. People sometimes have psychotic fits, but those are also people that tend to already have a psychosis that they're just nurturing through using these chemicals that are not meant for them. They're what they should be studying. I feel, I feel personally, it's just my opinion. Um, I'm not a expert at all. Um, I feel they should be studying the, who are the people that should take it and who are the people who shouldn't, as opposed to trying to study, what does it do? You're not going to figure that out. They've been studying (laughs) 
I mean, they still don't know for sure what LSD or ergot does specifically to the brain. They just see the ways in which the brain moves, but they don't know why or what's going on. But they've been studying it for a century. So how about we just calm down with that and acknowledge that it helps some people and figure out who those people are and then give it to them or at least make it accessible to them should they decide that that's the path they want to try and at least give them an environment in which they can figure that out. It's just, it's so funny because people love to suggest that because you think this way that you're, oh, you just want, you just want to be a druggie and just have drugs be legal so you can just do drugs all day. It's like, that attitude is like, it's, it's like, it's funny. It's funny, but it's also so annoying to me personally because you just, you're disregarding a whole body of evidence that something works just because you think that it's funny to poke fun at a millennial for doing drugs. Probably makes the mental health conversation very difficult to have. So, hey, any boomers out there who are making it difficult to have this conversation because you can't stop poking fun at your millennial kids for being druggies. It's not funny, and it's making it difficult to have this conversation about whether or not it works. So don't do that. Thank you. Love you. Not talking about my parents. My parents are great. They don't, I mean, not that they, you know, have ever supported anything that I've like, you know, drug use wise, you know, I just, I just spoke, I smoke weed openly, you know, all the time (laughs) anyway, but I mean, they've supported me in everything, all my other endeavors. So that's not, you know, I mean, well, not supported, you know, I, I work my butt off to support myself, but anyway, oh geez, why I'm back and forth. Back and forth here. Here we go. Anyway, do you want to do jumping jacks with me? Because I'm ready. I want to do some jumping jacks. Do you want to do some push-ups? Let's do some push-ups. You want to work out? It's a podcast. Here we go. Push-ups. One, two, three. I know you're probably driving or something. Imagine that. Wow. You're just like, oh, dude, give me a second. I'm going to pull over. Like, let me pause this podcast. Okay, here we go. All right. So the next news story. Got for you. You ready for this? So... NBC News, don't eat cannibal sandwich or tiger meat, dishes of raw beef, which Wisconsin official warns. So it's been a, a uh, and if I know anybody from Wisconsin who partakes in this and, you know, it's a thing they do, hey, I'm not trying to bash on you, but this is frightening to me. Um, it's a common practice, uh, common tradition, I think, I can't remember, during Christmas or something, at uh, barbecues to eat raw beef raw beef they take raw beef and they just they put like onions and uh seasoning on it and they just eat it it's called a cannibal sandwich or a or tiger meat and it's just a tradition that they do and it took until now for somebody to write an article about how they shouldn't do that even though they some people get e coli uh and salmonella from that but they just Tradition, man. <laughs> you know, I'm. Uh, I was raised. I was raised in the uh, Jewish faith, and we are very much about our traditions. But uh, uh, so so thankful that that that's uh, not kosher. You know, we, I don't think the cannibal sandwich is going to be kosher anytime soon. It'd be kind of horrifying, right? Anyway, yeah. So Wisconsin, um, what's going on? Can you? Are you going to be able to stick to this? <laughs> I don't know if it puts you more at risk for getting COVID. I think what happened here is they, um, the media was using it, using COVID as an excuse to report on this. 
They probably wanted to for a while. And like, there's just so many people in Wisconsin that are just all about the cannibal sandwich. So they don't want to report on it and like piss off their Wisconsin conglomerates. But then all of a sudden COVID comes along and they can be like, hey, you know, raw meat, it might give you E. coli and salmonella. And I know that's not enough to deter you from doing it, but also makes it easier to get COVID. And then America will hate you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. The world will hate you. (laughs) Anyway, so, yes. Anyway, moving on. Yes, a whole bunch of face palming to do this week, my friends. Anyway, uh, this next news story. Microsoft offers Cyberpunk 2077 refunds for all digital sales, but it's not pulling the game. Okay, so I'm a PS4 owner. Why am I mentioning the Microsoft, the Microsoft article? Because they manned up on this one and uh, stuck by their guns. And I respect them for that because I'm going to tell you right now, I bought Cyberpunk on uh, launch day. I split it with a friend because we game share, you know, you know, it wasn't just dumping money out the window. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love to just uh, shit on my economics because it's just fun. But anyway, um, incredible game. Um, launch day was terrible. I mean, it was terrible, but you could tell that there was something there. You could tell that they're going to update it. And it's going to be better. But it's just bad right now, and it's crashing. So what do I do? You know, like an adult, instead of like a child, I, I shut the game off, and what did the kids do? They hop on Facebook, and they get mad. What did I do? I put on Ghost of Tsushima. I, I played that. And you know what I did? I woke up the next morning. There was an update ready. I downloaded it. It took about, it took like two hours. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a good update. They did it. They did it. Booted the game up. Fun. So fun. It's awesome. It's a great game. Like, why Why is everyone acting like there isn't something, like, the potential isn't there for something great that can be updated? I can tell you right now, like, I used to work for Tesla. Um, when you buy a Model 3, you don't have to go back to Tesla to buy the next year's model if you want to buy, like, oh, I got the 2021, I want the 2022. No. You download an update, and you now have all of the new features of the new model of that year. If that can happen with internet updates, you really don't think they can fix a video game? Let's, uh, let's take a minute and think about that. Yeah, no, they, they can fix it. It's gonna be great. It's already great. I downloaded another update for it today that I haven't even gotten to try yet because I'm too busy talking to you. But yeah, I mean, I don't... Great way to unwind. I know a lot of people like to hate on video games, but the fact is, like, me personally, I work from home. So when I wake up, I can get right to work and work for 14 hours if I want to. And I've very well done that. And you know what happens? It starts to wear on my mental health. So um, taking an hour or, you know, two in the morning to just, like, wake up and, you know, I eat a yogurt and I play some video games like a (laughs) five-year-old. You know, and uh, it's really nice to just wake up that way because then, you know, I play, I play video games for like an hour or two. I work out, shower, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. Work for friggin', you know, forever. And, uh, yeah, very comfortable. So anyway, anyway, you got to be able to uh, let me know why you're complaining about Cyberpunk 2077. I totally lost my train of thought talking about... Uh, I mean, it is my podcast, so I guess I can talk about myself without it being too, uh, you know, patronizing of myself, too gratifying. 
self-gratifying. I don't know. Uh, can't I can't get a hold of my words today. What am I doing? <laughs> Waiting for that alpha brain, Joe Rogan. Send it over. Send it over. I'm going to try it out. Hopefully it's great. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, Cyberpunk rocks. I don't understand. So I shared this article specifically because PlayStation, like, why did you pull it from the store? People, So... All, so people who want to buy it now, they're just going to be like, oh, it's not in the store, so I got to go to Amazon, or I got to go, you know, just there's other ways to buy it now. It's just annoying. And I don't know why you're smacking, like, you kick, they're down. Project Red is down. They are struggling right now. They apologized. They made a mistake. They had so much pressure on them. You know this, Sony. Why'd you drop them? Why'd you, why'd you take it... Why would you do this? I don't know. I have a PS4. I played it on PS4. It's great. I know everybody on PC says this better, whatever. I have a great time with it. I don't understand um, the big deal. Everybody made a huge deal about this, and it's not a big deal. Give it a month. Perfect. Guaranteed. Maybe it'll be good today. I don't know. This next thing. Pretty dark. Um, Fairly dark. I don't know why I chose to (laughs) wrap it up with this one. Uh... So, well, not quite. So, I mean, it starts out good news and bad news. Here's the good news. Joe Biden was, you know, voted in by the Electoral College. So we don't have to wonder anymore. Awesome. The bad news. Multiple people stabbed after thousands gather for pro-Trump demonstrations in Washington. Now, it's, print, it's printed by the Washington Post, so I would initially be kind of skeptical because, you know, they lean left, of course. But um, I've heard about this from multiple sources that this did actually happen, that there were um, pro-Trump protesters that needed to be kept out of the Capitol, like physically kept out of the Capitol because they wanted to hurt people. Um, To anybody who's still wondering, you know, who is more full of crap in this equation, I don't, like, I hope that you don't have to wonder anymore because, like, that, I don't see any liberals storming legal proceedings like especially ones that are literally there to sort out the thing that the protesters are mad about like how are we supposed to figure anything out if when we get to the actual deliberation and the truth you shout fake news at the top of your lungs yeah so i don't know um Something about people getting stabbed over politics is uh, really sickening because there's nobody in politics that cares about you enough for you to die for in any way, shape, or form. Um, There are people in politics who care about you. Not all of them do. We know this. Um, I think it's, it's very sickening and sad that there are people out there willing to kill for their political views. Your partisanship is not worth anything. It's not worth a penny. It's not worth a fraction of a penny. It's not worth <laughs> it's not worth a fingernail clipping. How do you think it's worth a life? I don't know. I don't mean to get mad at everybody cuz obviously <laughs> I am talking to you know a group of a group of maybe 100 people. But anyway, sickening, sad um if you're still supporting people who are doing things like that, I can't express to you enough how much I don't agree with you, and I hope that you stop because we all need to just be good to each other and let things happen the way they're supposed to. 
uh, let the system work. Work? I don't know. We don't know if it's working, but as long as we can live peacefully, why do you, like, as long as we can live peacefully and conduct our business and do our jobs and live the life that we want to live, who cares? Like, I mean, I, I care. I care about foreign policy and I care about, I care about domestic. What are we doing here with education? What are we doing with medicine? All of these things. I do definitely care. But when it comes down to it, all of these things are meant to just help people live comfortably. That should just be the goal. I I don't understand why there are any other, uh, alternative goals or anybody's allowed to have ulterior motives. (laughs) They should all be hooked up to a polygraph to figure out what their, their views are, you know, or whatever the best lie detecting, um, method is before they're able to be any sort of authority on anything. Anyway, so we did it. There's the news. Um, <laughs> remind me never to close on politics again. Wow. What a downer. Anyway, so I'm going to do some industry commentary to wrap it up. Um, I've noticed a lot of people having kind of false impressions on like how careers work in the music industry when it comes to being a performer. So, uh, having made money both being a cover artist who just gets paid to show up and also being an original artist who gets paid to fill a venue, um, I just wanted to explain the difference between those two. So a lot of people, you know, I was talking about pre-sale last week. This is kind of an extension of that um, just because when it comes down to it, you know, if people don't want to work to fill the venues they're playing at as an original artist, there's nothing, there's no way for you to make money. Because if you're not filling those venues, you don't have people that care about you. If you don't have people that care about you, you don't have people that are buying merch. You don't have people that are buying your tickets. You don't have people that are doing the things that put money in your pocket. So for these bands to show up and expect uh, money just for showing up, just for performing, is is just is preposterous. But anyway, um, the the other side of that is there is a way for you to just show up and get paid. I know because that's that's how I pay my bills right now, trying to build up the notoriety and the fan base and the experience to be able to um, create revenue as an original band, which takes just, it's a full-time job. There's no way around it. Um, People think that they can do other things. Unless you're in a band with somebody, I don't want to toot my own horn. Unless you're in a band with somebody like me, though, who does it full-time and is willing to take that time to do those things, and is okay with, you know, and I'm okay with being in a band with people that, you know, have to work because I want my bandmates to be okay. And I know that I can do this. I know that I can handle this. So especially right now, you know, in the beginning, years ago, it was so difficult. Um, and I was working with people who, you know, and I was working a job and I was doing all the the work for a lot of it. Um, you know, they're not, not all the time. Um, you know, in Fathom, I had... Uh, members that actually, I'm not going to mention anybody who didn't work or that I had bad blood with, but I'm, you know, I'm, I don't really have bad blood with anybody, but, um, I forget, I forgive and forget. I don't hold on to stuff, but, uh, people that did do work in the band when Rob Kogut, our first real drummer was in the band, he worked very hard. Uh, when Jesse Lundgren was here, guitarist to Roti composition, he worked very hard. Um, those guys did, (laughs) you know, uh, the, the next guys who came after them, um, I just wanted to take one minute and say that uh, I forgot two members while I was going off on this tangent. 
and it's like way late at night. I'm editing this podcast, and I I realized I totally forgot to mention Justin Meadis and Tom Roy, who were amazing and super just easygoing and amazing to work with, amazing people. Um, I I played acoustic guitar at Justin's wedding. I still consider Justin and Tom two of my best friends. Uh, if you guys are listening, like I love you guys. Reach out anytime. Uh, I still consider you family. I <laughs> I feel so silly for forgetting to mentioning you in in this. Uh, I just I had to add this recording because there was no way in heck that I was gonna I was gonna let you guys think that you went down in the category of people that I uh, thought didn't do work because you absolutely busted your butts. Tom and Justin learned the songs and they played them like like. Just oh man, if I if I had like you know Star Wars droids programmed to play the songs, they couldn't play them as uh, as well as those guys learned to play them in a very short period of time. So can't thank you guys enough, um, Justin and Tom. Thank you guys so much. Love you very much, Brandon, Jared, and Kyle. They worked. They worked. They we wrote a we wrote consume, and it was a great time, and it worked really good. But um. The fact was like, so those guys, those guys worked, but there were like eight or nine other members that were in the band that I'm not going to talk about right now that just, um, not that I, I, I have problems with, I'm fine with them. I think they're, you know, I, I like them. If I see them, I'm going to say, Hey, miss you, you know, like, and you know, they're not my best friends in the world, but they had so much going on in their personal lives that when I would ask them to try and help me with the work stuff, it just became a problem. And eventually it turned into me resenting them for not helping them, resenting me for asking them to help. And cause like they would tell me they couldn't or they don't have the time. And they think that that means that they can just keep being in the band, not doing anything. And that I, but I have to like, you know, keep going back to them when I do need help. And for me, I would just go to them if I needed help until they leave, because then I could just get somebody who would help, you know? And it's like, I don't like to, I'm not a boss. I'm not going to fire you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, you know, kick you out. I'm going to have a conversation with you about if this makes sense, unless you leave on your own. That's, that's, that's a whole different thing. But this is, this is all of the thought process that goes into like being an original, original artist with people. I also do the other, I know the other side of it, being a solo artist. The hard part about that is, um, it's very hard to put together an image by yourself that isn't just solo artist with a suit on or something like that. Cause that's everybody. Um, it's very hard to create that. So when you see these solo artists who are like really successful, they're geniuses. They're, they're literally business and music geniuses. They, it's just incredible. Um, the things that you can do in this industry, but it just requires so much work and there is a community of successful people, but there's so many people in the world. So when you think about that and you think about the fact that there's a community of successful artists, you got to think about the fact that there's a far bigger community of unsuccessful artists. And um, the fact is getting paid to show up does not exist unless you're playing music that is being fed to you by the venue. When I go to bars or breweries, like not fed to you, but like, you know, they want me to play covers. I'm not going to play three hours of Alex Cohen music because that's not what they're paying me for. They're paying me to show up and play covers. So it's like these original artists who want to show up and play their original music and get paid for it, but don't care about how many people they bring to the venue. There are places that'll pay you to show up and play, but you're not going to be playing your music. (laughs) You can still like sell your CDs and stuff and promote yourself. And I mean, like you probably could get away with playing original music, but it's like 
it's going to have to be stuff that the crowd is liking. If the crowd's loving your three hours of original acoustic music, you know, through and through, cool. But there's no way that your acoustic music is going to get them going like a Simon and Garfunkel cover. (laughs) They've been listening to him for 40 years. It's like, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. So if you want to make a lot of money to be an original artist, there's just, you have to do that work to be able to fill the venue. But then on the other side, the cover artist, being a cover artist, you don't have to fill the venue in most cases. And if you do, don't play that venue. There's, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, for acoustic artists, at the very least, there's a whole ton of venues in New Hampshire, Maine, Connecticut, uh, not so much Massachusetts. So let's step it up, Boston. But uh, anyway, you know, actually, Worcester's great. Worcester's got some great places. And, oh, what am I talking about? Western Mass. Western Mass is great. Uh, got some great stuff going on. But Boston, boo, nightmare. It's a nightmare trying to get in. Super oversaturated. Not enough places that pay. There's places that want you to play for free for three hours. Like, you want, like, one place wanted me to audition for, to come back and play across the street from Lansdowne for free for three hours on a Saturday for tips. I walked out. <laughs> I went there for the audition thinking it was a paying gig and I was just like, oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go pay for my parking. And I just left. Like, no way. There's so many places that will try to take advantage of you, especially in Boston. I don't know why. It's because there's so many people and people know they can get away with things. And that makes me very sad. And Boston discourages a lot of local artists completely. Like tell me I'm wrong. Hit me up. If I'm wrong and there's a local community of artists in Boston that are thriving, like the lo- and like able to help other local artists figure it out too, please contact me and let me know. I would love to talk about it. But if it's so underground that you don't really feel like you want to reach out and tell me about it because I'm bashing it and you don't feel like it, it, it deserves the love of another person knowing about it, then it's not real. So... um for instance, the Providence music scene, I can't say enough good things about. The Worcester, um, the Palladium, when we were playing there with all of our local friends, there was like, it was a great camaraderie. And there's just uh, Connecticut, the Webster, you know, like there's a camaraderie there with the local bands. In Boston, there was the Middle East, but the camaraderie there was with the bands that were grouping with bands from these other areas. It wasn't so much like a camaraderie with just people from Boston or a group. Well, I mean, that's not so true. Um, I mean, I don't want to swear on here, but the, uh, the band mud F U C something, um, they have a great community in Boston of people that do cool things. To be honest with you, I don't really know many other bands that do that out there. And like, the fact is, um, the building a community is is like it, it requires the camaraderie. Everybody thinks that it, we're supposed to be competitive and like oh it's it's cutthroat. It is the most cutthroat industry in the world, but it's not supposed to be amongst the artists. Like it is because of the corporate interests we have to deal with in order to get enough money behind us to get the international exposure we can get to get as big as Aerosmith or some huge band. You know if your music's good enough, but at the same time, um, we. There's always been competition between the artists, but I think that it is only destructive if it's not friendly. Like if you're if you're jealous of somebody, that's a problem that you have within you that you need to work out. But if you see somebody doing something that you admire, 
Admiration and jealousy are two very different things. Jealousy leads nowhere. It's a dead end. And admiration can lead many places. Because if you admire somebody and you go and you start a conversation with them about what they do and you ask them, they're very likely to tell you. And if they don't, they're an a-hole. Forget about them. And there's guaranteed going to be another way more successful person than them who's not an a-hole who will help you and listen to whatever your concerns are. So regardless... If you want to play original music, it is about filling venues, it's, which is selling tickets, and it's about selling merchandise if you want to be an original artist. The fact is there's so many people out there, though, that if your music's great and you can get it out there on a large enough scale, you can make an incredible living off of tickets and merchandise. <laughs> an incredible living. Like, you know, some like very high echelon. But, I mean, obviously it requires just a great deal of skill and work. Anybody who thinks that it requires anything less is a fool. As always, um, I would love to discuss any of this stuff. I have a great time doing this podcast. Going to definitely do it again. Every week. Every week. Going to put it out on Wednesday. Probably upload it, you know, maybe a little sooner just to be safe. Make sure it gets everywhere by Wednesday. So, you know, you know, look, maybe it'll come up earlier. I'm selling you this as if you're going to see it before you've seen it. (laughs) Yeah, I catch myself. And then I have to be like, dude, your brain, it stopped functioning in that moment. So, hope you guys have a lovely, lovely, have a holly jolly Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. We're in the middle of Hanukkah. Oh, yeah. City of lights. (laughs) That made no sense. Um, Celebration of lights. I said city of lights. (laughs) Yeah, so happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas. If I'm forgetting any holidays, please don't be offended. Just tell me what it is, and then I'll add it next time. You're awesome. Love you.